Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. There's a lot of people when the rapture is going to happen who think they're going, but they're going to be left behind. Why? They've never really accepted Christ. Or they have, but they backslid and their sin is a way of life. Drunkenness every week, all kinds of immorality, cheating, lying, whatever. Religious. And they have never really become believers. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 7. There are a lot of people who are convinced that they're right with God. They do good things, or they went forward at a crusade, or in a church service. In fact, they attend church every week. And at the end, Jesus will say, I never knew you. Get out of my sight. Pastor Mark is teaching about Jesus' promised second return, and telling us who it is Jesus will take to heaven with himself. He's reminding us that we have to have the Jesus-following lifestyle, living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything short of that is just not good enough and will doom us to hell with Satan and his demons. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with part 3 of his message, Eagerly Waiting. Well, I want to give you about eight or nine so what's. So here's the first one I want you to write today. In other words, God tells us so what. If it's coming, he tells us to do some things. How should we live knowing we're either going to die or we're going to go in the rapture? Number one, be knowledgeable. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Paul says this, just listen to me. Brothers, Christ followers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, who have died, or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We don't want you to be ignorant. God doesn't want Christ followers to live uninformed about end time events. One of the most interesting areas of the Bible is the study of prophecy. Prophecy is simply this, God telling us what's going to happen in the future. And because God tells us what's going to happen in the future, he also tells us what to do now while we're eagerly awaiting for those things to happen. So what is the good of prophecy? Here's the good of prophecy. Prophecy keeps us tuned up spiritually. Mark 13 says this, so be on your guard. I've told you everything you need ahead of time. Let me give you an example of how that works. If you knew, and we can't, so don't miss this if you stepped out of the room and come back in. What if we knew that the rapture would occur next Saturday? We can't. We don't know that. What if we knew? Would we live any different in the next seven days? 
every single person would look different. I'd be more useful of my time. Would you go and call any of your neighbors, your friends, your relatives? Yes, you would. Would you be passionate? Would you be bold in introducing them to Jesus Christ? Yes, you would. Would you make sure that your life is like tuned up spiritually? If you were kind of playing around with sin, would you change it? Yes, you would. Because you what? You want to be right. You want to be left behind. But see, God doesn't give us a date because if we knew it was 2015, it doesn't look like we want to live to 2015 a week before. Sebastian Mark, I wouldn't do that. Oh, say yes, you would. You see, we know that when there's a date, we're going to kind of get ready for it. When I don't know, I should be ready, eagerly waiting all the time. Next thing you understand is this. Be ready. Be ready. And that's in Matthew 24. Let me read it to you. Therefore, Jesus says, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. Be watching. In other words, the rapture is going to be instantaneous. It's not like you're going to go home and here comes on your iPad or your iPhone or your Android phone or whatever. You hear a Fox News alert. And it says, the rapture is moving, and it's on the west coast of Florida, and it'll be here about 1130. Get yourself ready, because you're going to be snatched up. (laughs) It's not like that. It's going to be instantaneous. Now, take a look at this. Look how it reads. 1 Corinthians 15. Again, we have to be knowledgeable. Paul says this. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. Remember, you're either going to die or you're going to be raptured. It's only two options. But we will all be transformed. Talking to Christians, we're going to get our new bodies. It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye. Would you just blink your eye at your neighbor? How fast can you blink your eye at your neighbor? Go ahead. Blink, blink, blink. How fast is that? That's pretty fast. It will happen... In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. Same exact principle I said. The dead in Christ, those who have already died in Christ and are in heaven, they'll be raised first, and then we who are living will also be transformed. We'll be raptured. So the Bible says it's going to happen in the twinkle of an eye, in a blink of an eye. I knew because I deal with, I've done this for many years, I deal with people, hear what they say. Pastor Mark, I know what you teach is right. I know the Bible's right. I want to be a Christian, but I kind of want to wait until my deathbed to do it. Because I like to really enjoy what I'm doing now. There is pleasure in sin for a season. I'm having a great time. So I'm excited. Well, first thing I have to say to them, you don't know when your death's going to happen. Well, Pastor Mark, no, I don't, but I think the rapture's getting close. You've been telling me about it. I think it's getting close. So I'm going to wait just before the rapture, and I'm going to get saved. And I say to them, you got to be kidding me. And they said, no, I've been practicing. (laughs) Well, to get saved, you have to ask God to forgive you of your sins and receive him. So I said, all right, practice on me. Let's see how you do. Let's see how quick you can do it. Here we go. And so the person says this, God, forgive and save me. No way, it's too slow. Well, okay. Uh, God, forgive. Uh, Too slow. Uh, God, too slow. Gee, too slow. (laughs) Am I right? It's just, oh, 
in a twinkling of eye, in one ten thousandth of a second, you you can't even get God out. Now we joke, but understand this. Instead of being snatched up, you'll be left behind. You will experience seven years of a taste of hell on earth. Who in the world would gamble with your life that way? Next, we need to be on fire. We need to be on fire. That simply means we have to live under the Holy Spirit's influence. Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot live the Christian life by yourself. It's impossible. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how disciplined you are. I don't care how gifted you are. We cannot live the Christian life unless the Holy Spirit is in control of our life. And that's not an event. Because why we had this Holy Spirit night, man, I was filled with the Spirit. It was wonderful. No, that's a wonderful evening. But it's a day-by-day submitting of our life to the Holy Spirit. You see... It's impossible in my natural abilities to do what God's asking me to do. I certainly wouldn't be on fire. My, my life would look like that. Our lives reflect our humanness. Some of you get to church regular. That doesn't even do it. Some of you, every two or three weeks, some of you every two or three months, we're coming to Christmas, we get the Christmas and Easter people. And they think they can do it. You cannot do it unless there's a vibrant relationship with God who lives in your heart. So that brings us to the next point then. If I do have the Holy Spirit live in me, what's it going to help me do? Next, be holy. Now that's a word we definitely don't like and we sure don't understand. And I put a word behind it. We defined a word. I added it to my dictionary so it wouldn't keep flashing and tell me it's not a word. It's a really. And that means not a hypocrite. Just be who you say you really are. What does the word holiness mean? It means that we're going to live different, and the real root of the word means sanctification or separated. We're going to live different than the world. We're not better than the world, but remember, when I become a Christian, I'm not just filled with the Spirit. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So that means when I'm filled with God, my life is going to be different. I'm going to have a lifestyle I'm going to have values that are not of this world, but they're values in a lifestyle from heaven, the values that Jesus lived by. Now, I want you to turn to Colossians. It's just one book back, Colossians chapter three. And we're going to read a little bit of our old lifestyle before we came to Christ and our new lifestyle when we came to Christ. And you're going to see what that looks like. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 4. Now look at me just for a moment before we get there. There are no perfect Christians. Zero. We all sin, either by action or doing, not doing something we should do. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. All of us have sinned with that this week. We don't. If we did, we'd be in more prayer. We'd do all kinds of things. So God forgives us. But I'm not talking about a sin. I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin. Where it's just routine, every day, always in your life, repenting. Oh, I'm going to repent. I'm going to go out and do this and that and the other. God's going to forgive me. Tomorrow I'm going to go out and do this and that. Something's wrong. You're never even a believer. Now, early on, 
A very religious man came to Jesus one day. His name was Nicodemus. He came at night. We call him Nick at night. (laughs) Sorry. See, we're not perfect. And he came to Jesus, and he was very religious, and he wanted to know how to go to heaven. Jesus didn't even talk about the things to him. Here's all he said to him. You must be born again. You can't be like the old person. And to do that, religion, which is just external kind of stuff, won't do it. You have to be born again from the heart. Later, he helped with the tomb of Jesus. It took him a long while, but he finally became a believer. So that means this is like before Christ, what my life was like. And this is like after Christ, what my life. See, there should be a difference. It's a separation of my old self. Watch what Paul says. We begin in verse 4. And he speaks right off the bat about the second coming. When Christ, who is your life, when he appears, you will also appear with him in glory. That's the second coming. So while I'm here on earth, while I'm here on earth, what should I do, Pastor Mark? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Then he begins a list. See how you do as we go through the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Now look at verse 6. Because of these and lots of others, the wrath of God is coming. Why the tribulation? Because the people refuse to put God first in their life. And all these other things in these lifestyles became their idols. So that's why the seven-year period of tribulation. Then he says this. You used to walk in these ways. In other words, this was the lifestyle you once lived. Oh, not every day, but these were kind of the things that were in your life. Now, don't just highlight verse 5 because he goes on with some more. And it's not a complete list. It's just a list of stuff that we all struggle with. But now, notice, you must rid yourself. I can't rid myself of these things. That's why I need God to help me. Of all such things as these. Now, notice. Notice. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Look at verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of Christ. Now look at this. Slander and malice are connected with sexual immorality. See, we like to do this. Here's the the really bad sins. And gossip and slander way down here. Oh, no, it's a straight line. So we kind of got into our minds, this is way worse than this. No, he just gives us this list to show us all sin is against God. All sin. Because, Mike, I'm only a gossiper. It's not a big deal. No, all sin is against God. It's a sin. It separates us. And the love from God. Now, what is he really saying there? Look at verse 5 again. I will highlight one this morning because it's such a huge part in our lives. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Now, many times when we look at sexual immorality, 
we think external, having sex, doing all these things, but much of it is internal. One day Jesus said to the religious leaders, outside you look pretty good, but inside you're dead. And see, God doesn't look on the outside. That's why I use the word really. He looks on the inside. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, we see sexual and holiness combined. Look what it says. God's will for you, speaking to Christians, is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Why is sexual sin such a problem for all of us? Because God designed you and I with an amazing ability to make love. We have all the organs. We have all the hormones. And he said it's one of the great things. In fact, sexual intercourse is why we are here. And he says, I'm going to tell you how to do it. You put it within these safeguards. One man and one woman for life. Enjoy. So what has the world done with that? It's taken it totally out of that context. Now we have two women, two men. We have it outside the marriage. In the old days, we still have it in the United States today and parts of the world. We have bestiality. We've taken all of that and we removed the spiritual part of it and we've left it with one thing. It's just a physical act. It's not physical. It's emotional and spiritual. So I want to write something because I know it's a confusing thing in our churches because our world has confused it. Write this next statement down. Sex before marriage and adultery while married is a sin against God. So if you're here today and you don't know it, if you're not married and you're having sex, it's a sin. God can forgive it. Stop living together. Just stop it. Stop experimenting with it. Say, well, Pastor Mark, I need to kind of know that do that so I can see whether this person is right for me. If you have to do that, that person isn't right for you. Be holy. Now, next, what is adultery? Adultery is simply a married person having sexual intercourse with another married person that's not their spouse or a single person. Stop it. It's an abomination against God. It's a sin. Say, Pastor Mark, I can't stop it. Yes, you can. Anything God asks us to do, he helps us do. Let me go one step further. We are to live different than the world lives. If you're on a website and you say, Pastor Mark, I would never have sexual intercourse with anybody. Yeah? How are you doing with your words on the chat room? Well, we kind of do that and we get excited while we're doing the words. But that's not, that's not, no, 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 that's lust. That's a sin against God. I mean, I have to say it to you because the world has abused the home. And it's taken what God made fantastically beautiful and exciting and corrupted it to the nth degree. Desperate housewives. We laugh. But what is that doing? Watch every single program on TV now, almost every single program. You'll have the typical male and female together outside of marriage. You'll have the actual homosexual, lesbian relation. It's just all in front of us. So all it's doing is squeezing us into its mold. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not holy. Now, I'm not just talking about that. Anger, lying, unforgiveness, those are all things that aren't right. See, God wants us to be holy. Now, in a practical sense, listen to this. Holiness is what we want when we turn the faucet on or eat in a restaurant. We want our water and our food to be healthy and clean. Can you imagine? Here in West Melbourne, it's happened to me. 
We turn the water on, and what comes out? Brown. I don't know. They're cleaning whatever. I don't know what they're doing. How much? How many? How, I have a glass of brown water. Nobody wants that. And I know you've experienced this too. You're in a new restaurant somewhere, maybe in Sebastian over there in Orlando. You're in a new restaurant, and you have to go to the potty while you've ordered food. You go by the potty, and the kitchen door's open. You, you look in and go, oh, that kitchen is filthy. Right to the table. Forget the bathroom. And you leave the restaurant. You see, but understand, we want, while we want our water to be clean and our food to be healthy, God wants us to live healthy. Listen to this, Max Lucado. A Jewish couple were arguing over the name to give their firstborn. They finally asked the rabbi to come and intercede. He says, what's the problem? And the wife spoke first. My husband wants to name a boy after his father. I want to name a boy after my father. The rabbi asked the man, what's your father's name? Joseph. The rabbi asked the woman, what was your father's name? Joseph. (laughs) The rabbi goes, so hey, what's the problem? The wife said, well, here's the problem. His father, Joseph, was a horse thief. Mine was a righteous man. How can I know my son is named after my father and not his? The rabbi thought for a moment and replied, call the boy Joseph and see if he's a horse thief or a righteous man. And you'll know which father's name he wears. It's one thing to call yourself a Christian. It's something else for God to call you a Christian. Be real. You see, Next thing you want to write, we want to live in a way that pleases God and looks like God. There's a lot of people when the rapture is going to happen who think they're going, but they're going to be left behind. Why? They've never really accepted Christ. Or they have, but they backslid and their sin is a way of life. Drunkenness every week, all kinds of immorality, cheating, lying, whatever, religious, and they have never really become believers. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 7. You see, this morning, I just want you to understand, if you're here in this congregation, this is God speaking to you kindly this morning. If you're playing around with sin, stop it. Now, we all sin. But if you're playing around with it, taking it lightly, and it's becoming a hold of you, and it's almost like this who you were is becoming like this who you used to be, you're on dangerous ground. Confess it. Get real. Clean up. Jesus says this, blessed are the pure in heart, because they are the ones that will see God. Don't get left behind because you're not real. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark taught about how to be prepared for that event, the rapture, which may come at any time. He talked about our need to be aware of biblical prophecies concerning the end times. While accumulating this knowledge, we need to be sure to be living holy lives, lives that are in contrast to how the world around us is living. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This concludes the teaching, Eagerly Waiting. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the teaching, Stand Firm in God. He will continue to expound on the concept of our heavenly citizenship and how that is worked out practically in our lives. We will be reminded to trust and rely on God's strength so that we can resist the world's attempts to squeeze us into its mold. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.